Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with his legs. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Welcome once again to the Here We Go podcast and I'm glad to say what should be a considerably more positive and upbeat affair from the one that we had beforehand. Um, returning from their respective travels, we have with us our, our usual regulars. First of all, my namesake, Martin Clunes. How are you doing? Um, I'll be honest with you, Martin. I'm still not 100%. <laughs> there's, no <laughs> point, there's no point lying to you. Um, yeah, today was a str- this afternoon was a struggle at the Tawdry, but... Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it might it might put a, a new uh, perspective on uh, fans when you're asking professional footballers to turn around from a Thursday evening to 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 a Sunday game when some of the supporters are struggling to get through it and they're not even <laughs> they're not even doing anything on the park. Um, and uh, also uh, back from Sojourn Zafar, Richard Hay, how are you getting on? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it takes the phrase "you've been hangover" to to a different level, doesn't it? Really. Um, I'm I, I, I'm feeling not great to be honest with you, but that's more because um, illness. But it's a young man's game, this travelling lark, isn't it? I mean, the the schedule that I've decided to adopt because I left myself chaotically short of holiday days in which to try and fit in four European trips is it, going to kill me possibly by the end of the year. Um, and, you know, once again, I feel quite unwell today. Uh, but there we are. The dawns are at least cheering me up rather than making me feel worse. Well, it would have been an awful lot worse if the if the results hadn't gone as uh, relatively well as they have over the last uh, 72 hours. So um, we shall go at this on a chronological er- uh, chronological order, rather, and um, starting, obviously, with the, 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 the European night uh, the, the commencement of our Europa Conference League group fixtures saw us dealt with what would undoubtedly be the, the hardest game on paper of all, an away match against uh, the top-seeded Eintracht Frankfurt, um, only a couple of seasons removed from winning the Europa League title, uh, and obviously last season involved as a consequence in uh, Champions League group stage football. Um, but this time round, they get to open up their campaign with the visit of uh the, the the dandy dons of aberdeen so before before we get anywhere uh near the the, the performance itself I'll, I'll come to you both in order first of all um your your traveling your your relative traveling exploits in order to get to frankfurt in the first place how how did that how did that go for you martin first uh, not too bad um as usual you know um we were flying out of glasgow so of course there was a problem so we were slightly delayed there meant we missed the connection at Heathrow, which um, put us back about two and a half hours um, getting into getting into Frankfurt, which was on the Wednesday, which in hindsight um, was actually a bit of a blessing in disguise because it meant we got to the hotel at about midnight, which meant we just kind of kept our powder dry for the next day. Um, so it was probably it was probably a good thing in in hindsight because we would have probably would have gone out and you know what happens at these type of places. <laughs> so um, that was that was the, no, the, the original point. It was a bit of a pain, but then you know when you think about it, you know when you actually behave like an adult and think about it, you realise that it was actually a good thing for us. Um, but um, really, really enjoyed the place. Really enjoyed. You know, the, you know, we'll obviously talk about the game. Uh, really enjoyed you know, the city. Um, the build up to the game was was great. Um, like quite a lot of other uh, Don's fans, we were in Roverberg Square. Um, in what I, I presume is like the, the Frankfurt Old Town, um, 
because the city centre is a bit of a concrete bit of you no, know, it's much like a lot of places a bit of a concrete jungle. Uh, but yeah, it was a really it was a really good day. Um, before we got before you we made the the march to the stadium with the no, with the police and the rest of the fans. And Richard, your reflections of the journey and. Are we are we turning into a full scale football stroke Simon Calder travel journalist uh, crossover <laughs> podcast? Because I'm absolutely here for that. I mean, um, Richard, I was worried of kind of doing the whole what I did on my holiday sort of thing, <laughs> but you know, I mean, we might as well. <laughs> I was relying on a lot of moving parts to make uh, to make my journey work, but I'm delighted to say that they did all come together. And I rolled into to Frankfurt train station about uh, ten minutes late, which was absolutely fine given that I was crossing a couple of countries to to make it there. So because of that, it was really just a quick dash to the hotel, dump the stuff, didn't bother with Times Square, didn't bother with the uh, traditional, as it is for travelling Aberdeen sports, drinking in the in the, the Times Square and taking it over. Uh, it looked a lot of fun though. Um, what I did was basically um, get the very good public transport connections. Uh, so I, I got the tram from outside the, the main station, um, which puts you a lot closer to the stadium than the train, which we'll talk about later. Um, but that was great because it was with, obviously, a lot of the Frankfurt fans. They also go to the ground very early. And as I think I spoke about with Derek Gray last week, it's not quite a whole NFL-style tailgate party, but it's it's good. There's like makeshift supporter bars there. There's there's guys griddling sausages on 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 open grills and <clears throat> underpasses. It's openly drinking, you know, being allowed to just drink beer with fellow fans in the sunshine, <clears throat> five minute walk from the ground. Really great experience to be part of. Um, f- did that for about an hour and a half. Went into the stadium very early, probably about as early as I've been into a stadium since I was about nine years old. Um, but. Again, that was that was good fun to be to be there to see it um, to get a proper feel of the place. I mean, that that's twenty years old now that stadium, and it still it still feels really fresh and new. And it's not got too many bells and whistles, but it's really functional. It really works very well. It's been thought through pretty carefully, I would suggest. Um, and the sight lines and everything about it just make me think, why can't that be what Hamden looks like? That would be the perfect blueprint for Hamden. Um, before you even talk about there being a, a brilliant whole standing end for the home supporters, standing section for the away end, obviously the fact, which is not um, a stadium-related issue, it's more Scottish football versus continental football, the fact that you can walk out the back of the terrace, get yourself a beer, take it back into the terrace and watch it with the... Um, and drink it while watching the game. Um, so... Yeah, the whole experience was was great fun for me before the match. Um, I thought that would probably be about the highlight of it, but it turned out the the match didn't. You don't have to watch it quite through the the cracks in your fingers um, as we might have feared. Well, on to the game itself. Um, we started out the the game maybe maybe for the 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 first time in a long time Barry Robson ended up going with a formation which was rather more pragmatic um a very clear five at the back um Jack McKenzie preferred at the the left wing back position over uh James McGarry maybe maybe um because he had preferred his uh defensive abilities on the particular night but um that got rapidly disproven in about 10 minutes as he ended up um, making something of a a ready of a challenge in the penalty box uh, and that led to being um, a goal down in just 11 minutes. Um, not exactly the most ideal start to the to the game, Martin. It wasn't, no. And I mean, I think as I thought we, I, don't, I thought we, we started okay. Um, but no, I, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll come to it in terms of both their goals. It's a case of Against teams like Eintracht, who are you know maybe you know to be to be generous, say a couple of levels above us um, in terms of ability, in terms of ability, you have to be switched on and you can't afford to make silly mistakes. And both their goals really come come from us in many ways, kind of switching off. Um, in the first one, yes, like you can see the penalty in ten minutes. Richard says there, you know, you you it wasn't quite watching the game through the cracks of your fingers, uh, but. There was obviously worries there. I mean, you get talking to people before the game, um, and you know, 
people are thinking, oh, 3 0, 4 0, 5 0. It's like, sort of, maybe that's, you know, some people get a bit, a bit carried away with that once, to be fair. Um, but the worry is that you know, we repeat we repeat some of the pre the performances we've had this season, play like we did again, you know, play like we did so against Hearts where we really just didn't compete at all, and the worry is that they, you know, could give us a bit of a chasing. So after ten minutes to find yourselves one 0 down to a penalty as well, so it's something that is totally preventable. Um, of course, we were, you know, it it was it was very worrying for that for that spell, um, you know, but. I did think, you no. Know, I mean, up until up until we equalised. I mean, to be fair, I think I thought we were we're decent. We're in the game. We were defensive. Obviously, we were letting them have plenty of the ball, but we were getting, you know, we were doing the right things. I thought, and we were getting in their faces, and it wasn't a case of just, you know, us chasing shadows. Which that was my worry, you know, in the lead up to the game that it was going to be a bit of an, you know, a bit of an embarrassment, and that, you know, it certainly wasn't. It, it it certainly wasn't, and I think one of the most encouraging things about the the performance was especially having had such a hammer blow going one nil down so early, um, and especially how results and performances have gone so far this season. It would have been uh, incredibly easy, and especially in that environment, to have let heads go down, and and one nil could have could have easily become more, but. Uh, credit to Aberdeen, they, they showed a, a good bit of resolve. Um, while Frankfurt obviously dominated possession throughout most of the first half, Aberdeen kept themselves lively and um, it was uh, uh, a reward for their endeavours when um, later in the in the first half, Boyan Majowski picks up the ball around about halfway line, drives towards the penalty area, um, a, a lovely swept ball out to the right flank where Nicky Devlin was bombing into the penalty area cuts it back Dante Pulvara, not sure again he's, he's, he's maybe admitted as much in the Red TV interview afterwards um, um, but uh, the first touch came um, time slowed for a matrix style and he swipes a right boot and thrashes it into the roof of the net. Richard, cue scenes Oh, huge scenes, huge scenes. And yeah, I think you're exactly right to say that we were compact. And the game kind of played out almost exactly how Derek Gray said it would, because he said that Frankfurt would have trouble breaking down a compact opponent. And that's kind of exactly how it, how it panned out. And the real frustration, obviously, with the goals that we do concede is that they are pretty preventable, both of them. We'll come on and talk about the winner in a few minutes as well. But it's just that split second for the first one where Mackenzie, who initially sees Bimbe and, and sees the threat, he, he gets caught ball-watching. Rubizic doesn't quite um, make the interception. It kind of almost nutmegs him as he tries to stretch and, and cut the ball out. And there's a tango, you know, Mackenzie is beaten and there's a tango legs, clear penalty kick. But... Again, the game plan doesn't change after that. We don't we don't panic. We just keep it simple. But it's for the goal, for our equaliser. It's really, really smart play from Miofsky. Taking advantage of a mistake in the first place. Breaking forward, bringing the team up the pitch. But to me, the most impressive thing, and clearly the thing which they'd worked on, was making sure that there were so many numbers in the box when we broke. You know, you've got a situation where you had... 10 men behind the ball five seconds earlier and um, by the time Miofsky's playing that pass to Devlin it's five on four and it remains five on five in the penalty box by the time Povara's taken that touch and rammed it home so it was indicative of a, a well thought through game plan and the game plan it was executed very well but the the quality about the goal was also as we witnessed for the equaliser in uh, Gothenburg it, it was Refusal to panic, you know, smart play from Miofsky getting away to Devlin. Devlin is not wildly slashing it across either. He's taking this time, he's trying to pick somebody out, he's playing it in low because that's our strength, so we don't have a big towering striker in there. And we get the reward, and really, really good goal to score away from home in Europe. And yeah, of course, the away end goes absolutely crazy, as you would expect. Um, there's maybe a split second of disbelief first. Um, there's maybe that uh, that you, I, 
the worst one of those, the worst, but the, the the most obvious one of those I can remember is after Lewis Ferguson scored at Burnley, where there was just that split second. Fucking hell, has he done that? So uh, here it was more about blimey, we've scored here. You know, I think that was probably the height of most of our ambitions, to be honest, to get a goal to celebrate. Um, as Martin says, I think many of us would have been fearing our four or five one if we had scored, a la. Uh, Bayern Munich in 2008 but uh, you know we kept them honest uh, through that and again for the rest of that first half there's really just one um, effort which uh, Roos has to deal with and and that's kind of it and you're beginning to actually let hope into your thoughts by the time we get to the 55th, 56th, 57th minute in that second half you begin to think Hang on, we could maybe we can maybe steal a point here, and that would set us up very very nicely. But you know what happens whenever hope enters the room. Um, but still, great moment, great work goal, and um, really pleasing to see this uh, this Aberdeen side um, begin to put a little bit of quality together. It, it is, and. Um... In the case of Polvara in particular, Martin, and again, with a, as, a brief, as a brief tangent, it's ended up being a, a very fruitful couple of weeks for him. Um, something of a triple whammy. Um, first of all, obviously, um, the confirmation the week before that he had signed a new three-year contract at the club, which will keep him here until 2026. Um, so clearly, um, a, a, a lot of faith being put in into him. I think that contract will probably see him into his mid-20s. So... By the end of that, he'll be hopefully really coming into the, the, the peak of his powers. Um, and then, of course, the 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 goal, quite the quite the occasion and quite the venue to get your first competitive goal for Aberdeen. Uh, and then on top of all that, um, he's ended up coming home to Aberdeen, the owner of a multitude of cars. <laughs> yeah, he has, yeah. I mean, look, there's no better way to to sort of, you know, once you get when you get a new contract, um, and you know. I was maybe a little bit, no, maybe sarcastic about the Polvara hype train and all that kind of stuff, but there's no better way to kind of like, you no, know, announce yourself with with a goal that's going to be remembered. You know, it's, it's memorable. Yeah, I understand. Yes, we did. Yes, we didn't win the game, but it's memorable. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be, you know, spoken about for a long time. The bounce um, is going to be remembered for all two thousand odd, however many Aberdeen fans were there. Um, and yeah, um, I obviously I wasn't in. Um, I wasn't in Gothenburg, so I wasn't aware of this song. Um, Richard didn't. Richard didn't mention it to us. Um, obviously, he was there, and apparently, it was sung in Gothenburg as well. So I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. I know it's been obviously it's been appropriated from a West Ham player, um, but who cares about that? You know, there's very few original songs in football anyway. So um, yeah, um, so we've got Dante Polvara to the tune of "We Buy Any Car," which is or just um, whatever is that? That's absolutely sensational, isn't it? Um, and yeah, <laughs> from from what I remember, the way I, the way I, there wasn't quite rocking to that song, but um, it was there was definitely a few choruses of it. Yeah, so all of that was obviously incredibly positive. But I think before we we move on, it is probably only fair to note the other than the final result, the 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 one other obvious negative, which was the the flare that was thrown from the away end into the the Frankfurt supporters. Now again, you guys are obviously across in Frankfurt at the time, and may well be eyewitness to 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 to, to what happened. Um, but certainly, um, having followed it from afar, you could imagine it was instantly it was. I think the likes of the Daily Record and Sun, they obviously just couldn't wait to be reporting on this particular incident. It's just so bloody frustrating in what was otherwise an incredibly successful night, Other again, other than the result, but uh, uh, an evening in which so much went well for us and, and really unfortunate, Richard, the one thing kind of blighted the situation. For, fortunately, the person's been picked up by the authorities and it looks like that's being dealt with, but pretty needless. Yeah, I, I, I just don't understand it, to be honest with you. I mean, young testosterone-fueled men fighting against other young testosterone-fueled men um, in a pre-arranged fashion. Fine, go for your lives, knock yourselves out. Um, Literally. Well, quite. Uh, two terrace ends kind of um, shouting abuse and all the nasty songs at each other. Fine, it's not going to hurt anyone, quite frankly. Um, yeah, we should have evolved as a as a society, but you're at the football. Uh, if ever there's a time for um, going back to the caveman 
then it, it's there. But this was just, it was just dumb. And I just don't quite understand it, as I said. First of all, it's it's lit up towards the back of the, the terrace. And, and then it's thrown within our own end. Um, so that, I mean, that in itself was, was dangerous enough, obviously, into, into a terrace end. Um, and that's picked up by somebody in the vicinity of who it's thrown to. Uh, and it, it, the thing to do, obviously, when it comes to the end, would just be to stick it to your feet. Done, fine. You've had your moment. You've got your flair. You've probably cost us a fine. It, again, it's not really hurting anybody. But to then throw that into, and as I say, not into like an opposition terrace filled with uh, similar kind of lads to yourself. To throw it into what was essentially the family section um, to the left of us. Um, even if you've thrown it towards the pitch, they've got big me mess mesh fence up there to stop any projectiles hitting the pitch. Um, so, <laughs> just, I don't get it. I really just don't get it. Um, a lot of the, the stuff which people take umbrage at the um, at football over, I, I, I do kind of understand from a sort of young male releasing tension of their working week kind of thing, um, without wanting to get too uh, philosophical and chin-stroking about it. But this, I, I just don't get it. And yeah, so obviously nowadays... Any kind of away section is videoed to death, and you do something like that, you are going to pay the consequences of it. The club will also have to pay the consequences consequences of it through a UEFA fine, no doubt that will be incoming. Although I suspect that that would have been the case from the minute the flare was lit itself. Um, but that probably won't be the last one we have over the course of the next couple of away trips. Um, Generally speaking, I, th I thought the the supporters that I saw out there behaved themselves pretty well. As I say, a, a, a few sort of uh, young loons on there at first, and sometimes not the first European away. Um, just getting a bit boisterous, getting a bit carried away, but I'm sure the police are quite used to that. Um, however, as I say, I just don't understand the whole idea of throwing a lit, fair, a lit flare into the opposition family section. Just odd. Um, so a little bit of a little bit of a nasty taste in the mouth, and uh, again, it's it's an open and shot thing for me. It's a bit like when folk were throwing coins at um, Jim Goodwin ahead of a Dundee United game um, when he was appointed there back in February or March or whenever it was. It's just I, I don't think there's a defence for for doing that, and um, as but that's me. Maybe for other people, it's it is understandable, and that's up to you. But but there you are. I mean, just I, I don't I don't want to dwell on it, but I just I'd I'd like to think that the lad that's the lad that's thrown it, you know, away from the Aberdeen section. So the the person who's picked it up, the lit one up. No, I I'd, I'd I'd like to think I could give you could give him a benefit of the doubt and think he's probably just saw holy shit, what's this? And tried to throw it in. There was a tunnel. There was a tunnel. But he held it up for a while, Martin. It was held up for a while, down there. Yeah, it, it's like. I'd like to think that it was a case of just get rid of this rather than throwing it at, you know, at the family section. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah, there's probably an element but, of that, you know, but you know, I just, but it's, but it's gone wrong, and it's, it's a, like you say, it's a bit of a sore taste in the mouth. I mean, I don't have a massive problem with pyro at the games, um, but this is the sort of thing where, you know, we've had, you know, it's, you know, the guys like the the red ultras or the guys who are in the red shed are wanting to try and bring this stuff into the games, and this, you know. Like you said, like Martin says, there the Daily Record, the Sun, all these, all these kind of, you know, the press are are going to jump upon this um, and make this a thing, not just with Aberdeen, but with you know with Scottish football. And you know, we've there, there's been you know people talking who people who know way about more and more about than I do about how there's safe pyro, there's all this kind of stuff you can use. It's just not going to be it's it's not going to be allowed because they're going to point to incidents like this and say. See, we told you you can't yeah. be trusted. I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's safe pyro if you if you if if you're throwing if you're it at, at people, yeah. if you're throwing it at uh, what ended up being kids. Although you know the ages of the people that um, it got like, landed near is, isn't really, and I suppose we should no. be lucky it just landed near them as opposed to like hitting one of them on, on the face or anything like that. But um, not ideal, and I, I'm sure it was just a bit of boisterousness gone wrong rather than being a premeditated thing um but yeah and as, as you say richard you know and i think it it does need to be pointed out on the, on the flip side of that as well is that in a square there was no trouble no hassle you know 
coppers didn't have to come and step in. There was plenty of coppers going about. There was plenty of mounted police going about. They didn't have to come and step in, give any warnings, dish out anything like that. From what, what I saw on the on the walk from the square to the train station, there was no hassle as well. Now, okay, I'm only one person, but you know, from people I've spoken to who are also there, haven't seen any real bother, you know. So it's it's one of these things where you no know, two say two thousand of us went over there, um, and you know, I know everybody will point it to say, oh, well, someone always lets you down. But you have to remember that everybody else, but everybody else behaved themselves. Um, but that's not that is that doesn't make a catchy headline for the Daily Record, of course. No, I, uh, in general, <laughs> in nineteen ninety seven, no one died. Uh, but <laughs> wow. I, I thought that I, I thought the support generally were, uh, and compared to some of the issues that other Scottish clubs have had travelling, then it, it's nothing. It, it's nothing. Um, we were standing right at the back of the um, terrace and we actually had uh, Frankfurt fans above us. So when that happened, I mean, the absolute <laughs> grand change like that, they quite rightly were pissed off at us and a lot of online comment calling us animals and monsters. Um, but we, we actually got... Uh, Beer, at least I hope it was beer. Uh, chucked down on us when when that happened, and I said, "Really, you couldn't you couldn't blame them." To be honest with you, um, I'd rather have beer than a than a lit flare chucked to my head. Um, but I, I think by the end, uh, obviously they were, the Aberdeen sport were kind of frog marched out um, and taken on the sort of death march to the station and the teeming rain. Um, so we were very much more segregated after the game. Now, I'm sure that would have been the case anyway just for a policing point of view but it it did kind of make you feel you know would there be any additional retribution etc etc but i don't think there was any further problems in in the city later that night or anything so let's be grateful for that richard getting matters back onto what actually happened in the park that night um, I think it's fair to say that in the second half, I mean, Frankfurt had dominated possession across both halves, but in the second half, I think it was fair to say that they they started ramping up the pressure in terms of generating that, that possession into efforts on goal. Um, in one sense, it was probably inevitable that they were going to get a, a goal and get back in front. And in the end, uh, Robin Koch takes a... Uh, a, a well-placed header from from a corner, but uh, equally very frustrating again. That as with the, the first goal, uh, uh, a, a bit of a needless penalty being conceded again. A bit frustrating that, that second goal has been conceded from from a set piece play. And um, would it be a bit unfair to say that uh, Slobodan Rubicic maybe fell asleep a little bit in the the man marking there? It, it would be very unfair because it doesn't look like it's his man when they're setting up for the corner. It looks like Paul Vara's got Koch. Um, it looks like uh, Rubicic has, has got Bimbe, I think. Um, you just see, having looked back at the highlights over the weekend, you get an establishing shot before the corner comes in. Um, it's, uh, I mean, obviously people break and people move. I think it was man marking as opposed to zone marking. Um, so, But even then, I, I, defenders are going to lose headers in the box sometimes, certainly to other centre-halves, right? That's why you have people on the line. And I'm infuriated that Leighton Clarkson was on that line and moved a few yards inside because the ball's obviously a near post ball and it's really that what what's cost us I think and yeah you could argue inevitably the amount of pressure they had the amount of the ball they had it was going to come anyway but again I'll go back reiterate what Derek Ray says, they weren't really carving us open. They had a couple of opportunities. One just before the goal, which was actually the which led to the corner to the goal, which Devlin got back and cleared off the line. And it's all a game of what ifs. But again, so, so bloody infuriating with the goals that we did lose, that they were clearly preventable. Um and stuff that really should be bread and butter defending. Taking that thought onwards uh... Again, frustrating that the manner of the goals we lost, but would you go as far as to say that we could have, maybe even should have nicked a draw out of that? We did We did have some opportunities towards the end of the game as well, and uh, I think the, the best opportunity in the end was a, an opportunity for a volley from uh, Esther Suckler. I mean, it's maybe a bit hard. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say that that's a, a guilt-edged chance, but, you know, we, we had our chances. Do you, 
are, do you feel more proud in the performance in spite of the defeat or or, or are you feeling more oh, if things had broken our way we really could have got something out of that as I say the longer that went on and as you were hitting the hour mark you were thinking they've not got that much about them could a point be on here and um, obviously as soon as it goes 2-1 again you're bracing yourself for a dawn's collapse which then didn't happen and then naturally nervousness sets in amongst the, the home team as we enter the closing stages the Stockwell opportunity I mean it's far from a given but he's got a lot more time than I think he thinks he has and it's we talked about the composure that they showed for the equaliser that's anything but that is just a wild slash in the 92nd minute so I, I just kind of wish that had fallen to I mean Miofsky's obviously off the park by that point but I wish that had fallen to somebody in better form with better touch just with a little bit of nice just to to try and give themselves a better percentage opportunity rather than just, as I say, slashing wildly at that uh, at that cross ball, it would have been it would have been a bit of a dream to have come back from behind twice over there, especially given the form that we're travelling in. I don't want to eulogise too much about what was ultimately a loss, but I I do think that we deserve credit for the way in which we set up. I thought it was very smart it was kind of the only way we could go really to go 5-4-1 and go defensive but it will also it played into something which Frankfurt obviously struggling against but I thought more than that we generally executed the plan really really well just those couple of lapses and we showed a bit of bravery on the ball when we had the opportunity to with the goal it, you would want more possession. You would want us to progress as a team and feel a bit more confident on a ball and be a little bit more expansive. But you have to play to your limitations. And I thought we did that well. I, 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 I am both frustrated and proud, if that's possible. Yeah, the two aren't mutually exclusive. That's that's probably fair. Um Moving forward then, we found ourselves in what was our, our third experience of trying to back up uh, a Thursday night in Europe with uh, a Sunday league fixture. The first couple had went absolutely dreadfully. Um, after having gone to Gothenburg, we followed that up with an absolutely dismal display at Paisley. Um, we probably really did deserve to lose that game, but somehow managed to sneak a draw out of that at last minute. And then after getting knocked out of the Europa, Le Europa League playoff stages at Pitodri, we, we then followed that with a similarly terrible performance, uh, losing 2-0 at home to Hibs. So I think everybody was rightly concerned about um, what might be in stall for the, the team today, um, albeit a game that we'd usually identify as a, a, a imminently winnable game, but when you haven't won any of your first five games, and, and in fairness to Ross County, they were carrying, for them, reasonable form going into the game. I think there was a, a lot of trepidation uh, going into that, but um, uh, fantastically, it was it was, it was was good to say that in, in this particular uh, performance, um, I think everybody, to a man, seemed to perform excellently uh, we we got out of the traps quickly got an early goal and and things kept going from there um starting with the first goal i suppose and um I'm, i had a look in the highlights after this to see whether um richard jensen's spectacular overhead kick from his bum um was actually going to be going goal bound and and did Miofsky effectively goal steal off of him or not but i don't think you can particularly criticize uh, a striker in the box uh, making sure from that range and, and getting on the score sheet but um, uh, a, a well taken goal from him and um, I think it was that nerve settler that I think the team needed to progress forward Yeah I, I think the trepidation wasn't just about it being the Sunday night after Thursday and having had two bad results I, I think it was because this double header against Ross County was beginning to look quite critical for Barry Robson's tenure as Aberdeen manager, which again sounds ridiculous given how early he is into that tenure, but this is what football's like these days. And um, I think it was a real concern that we just hadn't really turned up domestically. So 
The first 20 minutes of the day were nothing to write home about. But what I did like was, again, a team that was willing to stretch every sinew and, and go the extra yard to make sure they were first to balls. I think in some respects that cost us James McGarry early on when he was stretching to try and keep a ball in. Um, that opening goal, yeah, it's Richard Jansen making a play for a ball that otherwise he... he could just have let bubble around the box. He forces it towards goal. He puts in that extra effort to force it towards goal. And you've got a really sharp striker uh, in, in Boyan Miofsky, who is becoming much more than that penalty box striker um, that he was last season. You spoke about his input into the goal on Wednesday, uh, on Thursday, and being very much at home in that company as well, I thought. Um, today, he, he was really, really good, really, really strong. Um, and that first goal, just the old school Miofsky, the being aware and alert and the first of the ball in the, in the penalty box, uh, just good striker's instincts to, to be there, to be in the right place at the right time. So you get that one, what I've been a, a pretty nondescript opening 20 minutes, uh, can't you doing the usual thing of subjecting us to a bit of a long ball barrage, long throw-ins, everything on top of us. I thought the backs, we dealt with that pretty well. Um weren't always winning the first ball cleanly, but again, that's not always going to happen. And let's be clear, County are set up to challenge well for those um, long balls, and they do it well. They had an opportunity just after uh, we actually took a lead, from, uh, which came directly from a long ball to which we lost the header. Um, and they got in on the second ball, and um, the shot's down at Roos's near post. I think he gets a touch on it. I don't think it was going in anyway. The good thing from our point of view was that that first goal did provide a real lift to us and it translated into a much more free-flowing performance after that. But it also meant, obviously, that Ross County had to come out and be a bit more aggressive as well, which I think still suits the kind of team that we are. Um, I think you give us the ball and tell us to break down a side, we are going to struggle with that. I think if, if we have the opportunity to counter quickly against someone... Um, I think we can do that very well. You know, I've often said that there's a lot of Derek McInnes's management in by Robson, and um, this is one of the key things. I think that it's very much similar to the first sort of edition of Derek McInnes's Aberdeen, that swift counter-attacking team, um, which sometimes just didn't have the tools to break down opponents, which would come here and set up shop. Well, I think we're maybe a bit like that as well. Um, this season now because as you saw with the second goal there's there's a lot of pace and a lot of drive about this team and once we can start to get that space against the opponents we can start to look really good um, so we began to do that as the first half wore on and the first 15-20 minutes of the second half was as good as we played for a long time yeah it absolutely was um, you were talking about that second goal and Martin, uh, a really good example of exactly what Richard was talking about, that kind of high energy and effort that's shown for a team when, when, when they have a bit of confidence about them. And on the subject of confidence, that will absolutely be the fill-up that uh, Duke needed to finally get a, a, an opportunity to get off of the score sheet. Um, he was actually integral at the very beginning in the move as well in, in winning the ball in his own park um, before the move. Um, Johnny Hayes setting Graham Shinney away basically by himself from the halfway line he he does well to drive on the ball um commit the defender cuts inside i think by the time that he cuts inside there's a bit of a hesitation because johnny hayes has ran on so far that he's actually got himself in, into a an offside position but um duke and miofsky have both been flying up the right hand side behind him and it's duke who gets there first picks up the ball does it has a bit of a stutter before he eventually gets to poking it into the back of the net? I think even Miosky himself almost tries to get in front of him beforehand, but finally sticks it in the back of the net, and it was uh, uh, just desserts for the the amount of effort he put into to that to, to get himself into that position. It is, yeah. And look, it's exactly what Hila needed. Um, you know, we've we've spoken about him this season. How he's you know, he's maybe been, you know, he's not been, he's not been. No, not been looked himself. Um, we, for the right reasons, for the right tactical reasons, obviously he didn't start um, at the away, away game in Frankfurt. Completely understandable, um, and I don't think there was a, no anybody would have seen that as any sort of you know 
oh, it's it's something that's no sort of punishment or reason, no anything to do with the fact that he's not really been firing. Um, it was just it was purely tactile. Comes back in today, and he was always going to come back in today because he's exactly the type of player who, when he is playing well and when he was doing when he was doing the things that he did for the you no know, in the build up and then the, the end of the second goal is you know, exactly what you need him for as well. Um, brilliant for him. It's exactly no, it's exactly what he he wanted to to get himself filing a score sheet. You know, there's all it's all been this talk. You know, of all these goals last season. You know, again, you know. I'll easily have a second pop at the daily record of the Sun if I if I have to in here. They, you know, they'll have been dying. You know, I mean, last week, you know, obviously I um, wasn't able to, wasn't able to come on the last podcast we did. But you know, um, you no, know, as as is all as he always does. You no, know, Graham Spears couldn't wait to get the Dons in Crisis episode out. Um, you know, because you know things like oh, Duke's been a shadow of what he was and all this kind of crap. So him getting a goal today, brilliant. Um, not only that, to score at the time we did. Is perfect, you know. Obviously, scoring in tw- twenty minutes with Mayowski, scoring now right before half time. I mean, it's at the, the perfect time to go two 0 up. You know, they have no time to react to that. Um, you know, and at half time, I thought at half time we'll look comfortable. Richard's right. You know, um, in the second in this the second half we played some really really good stuff. By which point, you know, um, you know we were were three and then four up, um, and the game the game was well and truly gone by then. But it was though know, that, that there was there's some really good stuff on on display from us today, and um, bizarrely, and I I actually know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the rights and wrongs of Malky Mackay because it's a conversation I can't really be arsed with. Simple fact is that he is he's actually a, pr- a pretty decent coach, and he knows how he knows how to set up football teams. And yeah, I know they were the second worst team in the league last season, but he is a decent coach. Um, when he has you know decent players there, and he can and he sometimes sometimes can get good things out of, shall we say, lesser players. Uh, but today, you know, we they, they weren't allowed to do it. No, they tried a little bit of, you know, a little bit of the hatchet man stuff. You know, there was a few a few challenges, challenges that, you know, let's just say I didn't like. Um I thought some of the some of the treatment that Hayes got when he came on was was pretty shocking. Yeah, that uh, that one on Hayes, given that Willie Cullen was the fourth official, I'm astounded <laughs> that wasn't red card. Yeah. Well, I was, was going to come. There was two. There was two on Hayes that were pretty dirty, and he. And if we're being, I don't think he really recovered from the first one. Uh, we saw that when he obviously went off early. Um, but the, no, both were. I was two of them that are both pretty shitty challenges. Um, but the, that first one, uh, like, you know, if 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 the VAR isn't going to be able to decide that that is a red card, then I don't want to be Mister. You know, quite about VAR, but. What is no? If that's not a red card, what is the point of VAR? Someone on Twitter pointed out that you know they they looked at the Shinney one and they decided that Shinney's from against County away last season was a red card and he got a four game ban because we appealed it. Today that's just a yellow card. Absolute bullshit. Well, it was it was inevitable that 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 was what went through my head when I saw that particular challenge. Given given the opposition. You immediately had your thoughts drawn to the comparison with Graham Shinney's red card at Dingwall in the end of last season, and I don't know if that's the same post you're talking about, Martin. But I did see one where a guy is putting up video footage of both incidents side by side, um, and when you go back to as a Graham Shinney having got to I, in a very similar situation, a, a ball that's kind of spun away from a pre, from a previous uh, challenge or a, or a previous confrontation where the ball's just spilled out. Um, the, the, the Aberdeen player has got to the ball first in Shinny's case. Um, I think it was Baldwin at the time who was in just after him and, and he's ended up catching with his studs. And that's, as I say, that's then um, after VAR made a red card and a four-match ban. Um, I don't know if either, either of you had a look, chance to look, to look back at the, the incident today, but it's uh, James Brown. He's coming late to the game. So again, jo- Johnny Hayes has slid in, but he's won the ball. He's got there first. And... At about a 90-degree am- angle, James Brown has flown in two-footed off his feet and slammed into the side of Hayes. Um, as as you're saying, Martin, how how that can't be a, a red card in this day and age it just seems to beggar belief. Yeah, I, I have actually seen it. Um, and from, from most of the angles, actually, it, it doesn't look that bad. But there's an angle from... A camera at the Markland end, I think, which shows him coming off his feet. Now, 
the whole point of VAR is using the time to look at all the angles and see all the instances. And I'm not, I, I kind of hate this that where every challenge is kind of put to a video official and we don't just stand or fall by the one referee's opinion. But in things like this, which, which I think most people would think there'd be a pretty clear case for a red card, not even to be look, uh, asking the referee to look at it again because you do have the benefit of these different angles. Um, yeah, strange one. And obviously, Hayes from that point on wasn't quite right and um, he soldiers on because he's Johnny Hayes and that's what he does. But it's uh, he has to come off after, after the hour. So to, to have lost both left-wing backs basically in 30 minutes of football is um unfortunate shall we say so um yeah we didn't really pick that we didn't pick up at the time uh, it was obviously james mcgarry went off i think only five minutes into the game i actually thought he'd been pulled back by a ross county player but in actual fact he just pulled up himself and it seemed to be you can only assume it was a hamstring injury and we'll, we'll just have to hope that isn't something more serious yeah it, it's bound to be that i would say um based on everything so hopefully it's on the on the sooner side of things, um, but I suppose the, the one benefit at this time of year, there's a lot of games, sure, but there's also some international weeks, so so maybe part of the recovery time is taken up by those. Obviously, he's got his own international aspirations um, and won't want to be missing games for his team, but uh, from our very selfish perspective, um, as much as we do have a decent-sized squad of players, um, we can't go losing two players that are playing in the same position in the space of one one afternoon. That is definitely unfortunate. Um, again, just yeah. uh, just on the subject of um, on the, the subject of aggression and and, and injuries, we are going to encounter those because it's just going to be a factor of playing all the football that we do. Asking these footballers, and strangely, it was Magari, I suppose, because he didn't play on Thursday. But we are going to see a lot more of that kind of muscle strains, I would suggest, this season, simply because of the amount of minutes that um, the team are going to have to put in their legs. We saw, I think, three changes today. It was it was the same midweek, two or three. That's kind of been consistent most of the season. So you've got a core of players that have been asked to the go asked to go to the well every single time, and that's uh, he's rotating his strikers. He very few of them are getting more than about seventy minutes in a game. So that's going to lessen the impact on them to some degree, but we're still going to be some some core members of that team are going to have racked up huge numbers of minutes by the time Christmas comes around. Yeah, no question, and that will undoubtedly show, hopefully, the importance of having a a stronger squad. That's 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 how I feel. Barry Robson has been looking to approach this. Is that I don't think he is looking to be making wholesale changes between matches, maybe just as you say, the two or three which are necessary from match to match. But I think what what the squad depth is more important about is um, having having players available when these kind of muscle strain or, or, or other injuries come about that you need to have the, the players who are available in order to uh, keep keep the ball rolling. Um, so you did mention poor Johnny Hayes. He, he, he came on as a substitute early on in the game and took a, a hell of a battering and, and, and he, he did only make it until around about the hour mark. But um, he certainly stayed on the pitch long enough to be involved in one one of the better Aberdeen goals I've seen in recent times as far as a team goal is concerned, probably as a as a as a as a team goal, it was absolutely fantastic, and it, for for me, it just emphasised how much difference it is when you have a team that has a bit of confidence on the ball, um, undoubtedly being two 0 up already and um, uh, things going well. But um, I think Connor Barron has helped win a ball and back in the right back position, Nicky Devlin moves transitions for for Barry's uh, favorite phrase transitions it forward to Jamie McGrath who um is in, involved in the start of the build up for that that play a lovely back heel flick to 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 get it away to Graham Shinney he releases Johnny Hayes down the left um and then a ve- very similar to goal in Frankfurt uh, uh, he sweeps a ball with his left foot across the face of goal um it's picked up on the right by uh, Boyan Miowski and and two on one with the goalkeeper. He just slips it in for McGrath to finish off and get his first goal for the club. Um, just just a wonderful move all in all, wasn't it, Martin? It was. Yeah, it's delightful to see. And you know, something that um, you know, um, 
some of the fans at other clubs might want to notice is that when they're giving it all this, oh, Duke goes down too easily bullshit. Um, you know, Manchester did not you know, backheel the ball beautifully like that while he's on, while he's you not know, after having been, you know, been tripped up. So it was brilliant, brilliant from him again. That's that's a different goal, Martin. It's a different goal. I'm getting mixed up. I'm, a, I'm getting mixed <laughs> up because I've watched the wrong highlights. Holy sh- I've watched the highlights and I've got mixed up. Do you want me um, to talk about the third goal, Martin? I can remember which what each of the goals were. So <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, on you go. I'm totally, I don't, I'm totally getting confused here. I'm mixed up. Sorry. So anyway, yeah, the third goal. Um, <laughs> what? What it actually most closely resembled wasn't the goal in Frankfurt. It was the goal that was disallowed uh, by McGrath in in Gothenburg, and it's the impact from an attacking sense of the wing backs, which to me is really important here. That you get, we win the ball on one side of the park. It gets moved over to the left, and Hayes is already in a very advanced position. Let's not kid ourselves. Johnny Hayes is trying to find Jamie McGrath first off, and it doesn't quite reach him. But because we've got County so stretched at that point. And what our strikers are doing in that situation is they are pulling wide and allowing McGrath to come in to make a, a genuine front three at that point. It was even more clear that that was a game plan when Clarkson came on. He was pushing even higher forward. Um, so because of that, Miofsky is able to pick it up in uh, the right wing position. Doesn't think about it. First time ball over. It's perfect. It's on an absolute plate for Jamie McGrath and not even someone who's been so anonymous um, for most of his Aberdeen career so far was going to miss that one. Uh, really, really great goal. Ten seconds maybe from end to end, but not in the sort of way it's been happening for a lot of the domestic season so far. Ball barely leaves the ground. Just... Um, Lovely to see, lovely to see us carve open the team so so well as we did there. And good for Jamie McGrath as well, who who obviously will start to feel a little bit better about life at Pitodri now he's got that goal. Martin, some of, some opposition supporters will have uh, taken great delight in taking a knock at Duke over the last few, <laughs> few weeks uh, and his inability to keep his feet, but uh, not on this occasion in the build-up for the fourth goal. Well, Martin, I'm really glad you mentioned that because um, because in the build-up to that goal, yeah, um, you know we've we've heard we've heard about it going down too easily, um, and you know the lovely little move from him to get the ball out wide um, to Majowski was great. And look, I thought today, I thought Majowski was excellent. Um, would have probably been, you know, if we were if we were doing you know our top dons, it would have probably been him or Baron. Um, but I really did think that he was he was excellent today, and it was um, yeah, it was great set, great great setup by Duke. Um, like like I said earlier, exactly what he needed a good a good performance, getting a goal, getting an getting an assist as well as just and like hopefully for that he will he will he will go on. Obviously, Majowski getting the getting the fourth goal there. So, no, two another another two for him. And an assist as well. Um, just this is the sort of thing I think that I don't know if I don't know if I want to say that we've looked like we've lacked confidence in the past few weeks, but today would have done us the world of good. Um, where and again, yes, it's Ross County. Yes, they were the eleventh eleventh best team in the league last season. But you know, a, good, a result of that at home when we haven't been playing really, haven't been playing well, um, domestically. Is the is the perfect thing, and a really strong performances from guys that you know last season, uh, Duke and Mayowski were excellent for us. So them come them come in a, in a bit of a bit of form with a good run, great. Same for McGrath. Um, we've really not seen the best of him other than that short spell against Harkin, um, in the away leg. So you know, with a, with a bit of luck, these guys are starting to find their feet. Also, want to say as well a bit of credit for um, for Gartman. Because I thought he was, I thought he was excellent today as well. Um, and maybe, just maybe, that when Barry Robson spoke about, you know, the guys need to you know, need to get now that they're in the door, we need to get them to gel and all this kind of stuff. It maybe wasn't him kind of just making a no half an excuse. He maybe had a bit of a point because it, you know, without getting ahead of ourselves, obviously, because you know we're Aberdeen fans and that's not what we do. Um, but. It's it certainly you no. Know, if today is anything, it could be you no know, a building block, a building block to getting you know to, to get some some better performances. Playing Ross County again in three days, 
you know, isn't exactly the worst thing in the world as well, um, given given how pretty toothless they were, bar one or two, the one or two kind of pot shots, and obviously the save that Richard mentioned earlier on. Um, so this is something that you know, you know after a strong performance on a, a, a strong performance today, you know, some some you know, good stuff that we saw um, on Thursday as well, and then they're coming up with the cup game in midweek. Um, it's 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 it looks like we could be heading in the right direction, so we say. Yeah. Yeah. Let let's not clearly let's not get too high here and not too low after a defeat to to quote by Robson, I suppose. Um it was very much doom and gloom last weekend after a mm-hmm. terrible performance at uh Tyne Castle had followed on the back of a terrible performance at home at Hibs. And that disappointment is exacerbated when you, you it's two games against teams that you expect to be um, rivaling against for the the um, for the spoils, I suppose that go to third place in this league. Uh, when it really, if anyone's been looking at the league since January, it's St Mirren and Motherwell we should be concerned about, not Hibs and Hearts. Um, but today, it, as Thursday was, even in defeat, is is merely a step in the right direction after a few aimless stumbles and in, further into the fog earlier this season. So let's build on this on Wednesday night. And then once we have hopefully have done that, build on it again at the weekend at Ibrox. And just, he, you know, he of course he's not wrong when he talks about the team needing time to gel. That's a, it's an, it's a fact. Um, you're talking about bringing in guys from different styles of football, different clubs who've never met each other before, coming out to play Scottish football for the first time. It is going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight. We knew this. We we would have talked about this till we turned blue in the face um, over the summer. Uh, this sort of um, turnover, it, it's it's difficult to pull off. It's difficult to turn around very very quickly. But again, the last week there have been real signs that this is now beginnings of a team here, a team that's actually functioning as a whole, that's actually moving in one direction, and that direction being the right direction. Well, we can only hope that that's a, a step in the right direction. You're, you're absolutely right. There's no there's no uh, getting ahead of ourselves in this regard. It's funny when, Martin, you were talking about um, a lot of people speaking about Ross County is the, the 11th best team in the league. If, if you look at a, a league table right now, it currently says we are the 11th best team in the league at the moment. And I think we also know um, it's, it's one thing getting a very convincing win against a, a team. It's, it's, it's another thing having to back that up again, only a few days later. And um, that, that will be, that will be a challenge again itself, especially it's uh it's uh, another hundred odd mile, uh, bus journey up the road to Dingwall, um, getting it done on a on a on a on an evening match and and, and on, a, on a tighter pitch at Victoria Park. Um, are 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 you um, confident enough, given how we 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 easily uh, brushed aside Ross County today, that we'll 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 replicate that again, Martin, or 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 do you think we'll find a way to make it difficult for ourselves? Um, oh, it would be the most Aberdeen thing ever, and we find a way to make it difficult for ourselves, wouldn't it? But look, you just you just need to continue continue the good stuff that we saw today. I mean, I know yes, I know it's obviously it's three days later, it's a different pitch, it's all that kind of stuff. But you just you know the message surely to the players wouldn't change. He might change some of the personnel, uh, but he's not. It's not going to be it's not going to be a raft of changes in, um, in the team. I wouldn't imagine. Um, I know he did make some. Okay, there were some changes today. I mean, obviously, you know, Clarkson Clarkson went out, but you no, know, Baron was in. Um, so you'll maybe see, you know, one one or two changes as well. But the, you know, the message will pretty much be the same. It's so you know, Ross County. You know, we how we dealt with him today is exactly the same way as how you should approach to try and deal with him on on Wednesday. So um, you've got you've got to be confident because you know, yes, I know that in in the, in the Scottish Premiership that you know on any given day pretty much any of the teams are capable of beating one another you know bar whatever but you know when you when you when you, you know, when they they come and play that the way they did um, and give us give us just you know the the opportunity to just basically brush them aside like that you have to you have to be confident going up there and then 
going on to the following weekend, Richard, and the, the challenge of going to Ibrox, um, it was incredibly important getting these three points if for no other reason than if we're being realistic, it's going to be very difficult to get something from from the game at Ibrox. Um, but I would have thought that given how relatively successful the 5-4-1 formation was at Frankfurt last Thursday, um, Barry Robeson might be tempted to go with a, a similar strategy uh, next weekend. Um, I obviously haven't seen any of the, 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 the highlights of the the, the game against Motherwell today, but it sounds as if they were relatively unspectacular in grinding out a 1-0 win. There is still a considerable amount of pressure um, circling around the manager, uh, Michael Beale, and I think if we set ourselves up correctly and, and, and again, if we can continue that, that, that uh, positive performance from the last couple of games and, and bring that on to next weekend, there's, there's every chance we could maybe grind another result out of that. Well, it needn't necessarily be a 4-5-1, but obviously we know that we've got that as an option to go to. Uh, and certainly if we can compete against Frankfurt and the Waldstadion, which, by the way, atmosphere pisses on anything I've ever heard at Parkhead or Ibrox for all the, um, for all the chat that their supporters usually give about being the best atmosphere in Europe. Don't make me laugh. Um, then we should believe that we can compete at Ibrox. And it has to be said that last season... Barry Robson went to our books post-split and we did cause him a lot of problems. Um, and we had a ridiculous non-penalty um, for when Tavernier rugby tackled Duke inside the box and nothing was given. So, you know, we know we're going to have to be, to use a, a John Lambieism, like a British boxer going to fight an Italian in Italy and have to sort of beat them twice over to actually get the win. But we should be up for that challenge and we should relish it because, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on them. It sounds like they were fortunate to go over the line today against the Motherwell team, who, don't get me wrong, have been very good to start this season. Them and St Mirren have um, definitely set the standard for the others to, to follow at the outset of this campaign. But we should have belief and hopefully that belief is again burnished on Wednesday night. In terms of the team... Um, I sincerely hope that Conor Barron gets another 19 minutes on Wednesday. I thought he was really good today. Really good. Um, and it's so good to see that. Opinion, unpopular opinion or not, Richard, um, Aberdeen have been performing better with Conor Barron in the team than Leighton Clarkson. Looks that way. I, I, I'm, I just asked the question at the match today of whether potentially Clarkson needed two sitters alongside him to be most effective. Or am I, am I trying to retrofit that to maybe he's just not started this campaign very well? Um, but Baron, I, I really, really like his urgency to play the ball forward. Now, something, it's not always going to work. There was one point in the first half today where he he tried, to, he was under a bit of pressure. He was heading back towards his own goal, but he still tried to play a forward pass and it got intercepted and it could have put us in a bit of trouble. But I, I think his ability to take the ball in um, and move it and usually move it forward with a bit of urgency is what I love to see in a footballer. And I think he dovetails really well with Graham Shinney. And when he was first brought onto the team, he didn't have the luxury of two guys in front of him doing all the dirty work. He had to get stuck in as well. And I think you can tell that, and I think you can see that. And I think it's certainly easier for a midfield three of Clarkson. I think it certainly makes more sense for a midfield three of Shinney, Barron and McGrath rather than McGrath, Clarkson, Shinney, just because I think Conor Barron, is, as much as we spoke positively about Leighton Clarkson's worrying, increased willingness in the second half of last season to get stuck in, to do those dirty things, I still think Conor Barron's better in those situations. Maybe not as good at dead balls, maybe not quite so much of a, of a threat around the opposition box and being able to really unpick a closed defence. But, and it was interesting as well, when Clarkson did come on today, he came on for McGrath in that sort of number 10 role as well, as opposed to how Robson had been utilising him earlier. Yeah, that's right. I I think they're both good footballers. I think the contractual situation with Conor Barron obviously clouds a lot of the conversations, and I think it clouds a lot of Aberdeen fans' views on Conor Barron, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think... People in a sort of um, dumped ex-boyfriend fashion think, "Oh, he he's, he doesn't want to stay here, so so you know we're gonna we're gonna sour on him." 
but he's clearly a good footballer. Um, I, I would like to hope that we can convince him and he can convince us that our footballing futures can be mutually at Pitodri for the next couple of years. And then once he's done a good couple of years as a first teamer here, and I think that's the key, he can do that and then he can move on to the level and the stages, which I think he deserves to. I think he's got the capability and the ability to do. And let's hope that he can continue to display that form going forward. Well, after uh, a very, very uh, successful day today, um, the sheep may well be having a party now, but I think I'm going to let my co-host go to bed. So thank you very much to Martin Clunes. Thank you very much, Martin. And to Richard Hay. Cheers, man. And hopefully the next couple of games will see the continuation of the progress we're beginning to see right now. So fingers crossed that we will be speaking to you next time in the semi-finals in the League Cup and having uh, got one over that team. Uh, in the meantime, come on you Reds.